This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wurundjeri Land, and this is The Full Story. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese started the year reassuring voters that his government is going to deliver some relief from the rising cost of living. The government will continue to look at the range of measures available at our disposal in the lead up to the May budget. We understand that people are doing it really tough out there. Australian households have been struggling to afford high rents and increasing mortgage repayments. So will this year be any different? And what would it take? Today, will the Australian economy turn around in 2024? It's Monday, the 22nd of January. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com ACAST. Peter, welcome to our first economics episode of 2024. How are you feeling about the year ahead? Do you think things will get better or worse? So look, I think the Australian economy is going to keep growing. I mean, that's a plus. So in other words, a technical recession of two quarters in a row of contraction. Uh, We're probably going to avoid that in a general sense. We'll see the government clocking a second surplus in a row. That's quite, you know, the envy of uh, most countries. And if you think about it, um, you know, we haven't had back-to-back surpluses in uh, Australia since 2006-07. However, the government's not really going to be in a position to kind of brag too much about that because it'll be fending off calls for, you know, more assistance to those who need it. At the same time, wary that, you know, to spend more is actually going to stoke inflation again. And really, that's not what the Reserve Bank wants to see. You know, we'll finally see uh, wages growing faster than inflation in the next few months. It will probably be pretty modest, but it is the first time in a couple of years. And that just means that, uh, you know, whatever money that's turning up in people's pay packs is going to go a little bit further rather than kind of falling short. That's going to help shore up spending, but also I think uh, generally, you know, keep the economy out of recession. So, you know, in summary, I guess we're near the peak of pain in the economy. And uh, for most people, there should start to be some relief in the months to come. So there are so many factors that could affect that outlook, I know. But let's start with the things we do know so far. The Australian Bureau of Statistics just released its latest job figures. What do they tell us? Okay, so look, first up, jobs are really 
crucial to the health of the economy. I know that kind of sounds sort of obvious, but as long as people are in jobs and they're paid well and hopefully more, then uh, you know our ability to be able to pay for the rising cost of living and also to pay off, for instance, higher mortgage fees that we've seen in the past year, that's easier when you're in work. So really the labor market, I think, will be one of the key areas to look at in 2024. Mm. Now, the December jobs figures are actually pretty disappointing. You know, sure, the unemployment rate remained at 3.9%, and that's kind of what the market had been expecting. But we lost total of uh, more than 65,000 jobs uh, in the final month of last year. Within the numbers, if you take uh, just full-time positions, the picture's actually even worse. You know, more than 106,000 such jobs lost. And we haven't really seen a month like that since 1978, if you exclude, you know, the worst times during COVID. So that's quite a setback for what had been quite a, I think, an upbeat part of the economy for some time. Now, probably shouldn't read too much into it. I mean, the monthly figures can be volatile, and we just have to see if it sort of trends, you know, the trend continues into uh, 2024. Mm. But look, at 3.9%, it's quite good by historical measures for Australia, and it's better than comparable countries like Canada at uh, 5.8%, or the UK, which ended 2023 at uh, 4.2%. US and New Zealand, for example, are kind of where we are too. So in the in big picture, the jobs market, it's a good place to start 2024, but not quite as good as we might have been expecting. So property prices and rents seem to keep rising. How do you think both of these could change this year? Okay, so look, the housing market was one of the big surprises of 2023. And that's probably because, frankly, we didn't expect migration to be at the record levels We ended up with more than half a million extra Australians by the uh, end of June 2023 than the previous year. So look, on the housing market, we were expecting with higher interest rates that there'd be pressure on house prices. They'd fallen by 4.9% in 2022, but in fact, they rebounded and then some in 2023, clocking up an 8.1% increase according to CoreLogic. So CoreLogic is a data provider quite well regarded and uh, used by the Reserve Bank and others, you know, when they're trying to understand uh, what's happening with property prices. So that was quite a big turnaround. Now, for the rents, that's also pointing to a continuing tight uh, market. There's very few vacancies, less than 1% in a, in a range of cities like Perth, and uh, Adelaide, for example. So in 2023, we saw rents rise 8.3%, similar to house prices. That's pretty bad. But if you'd had the two previous years when it was going up by 9% in each, there was a little bit of relief, but you know, hardly any cause for celebration. When it comes to forecasting how this year is going to turn out, it's a little bit difficult. ANZ has one of the higher forecasts. They're expecting house prices to increase by about 6%. The Reserve Bank, for example, they're talking about inflation at 3.5%. So, you know, any house price increase of more than 3.5%, that's a, a real increase. It won't be surprising, I think, if we don't end the year, you know, with house prices probably ticking up, particularly if 
and we'll come to this in a minute, but um, if the Reserve Bank does start cutting interest rates, that's going to make it easier for people to uh, jump back into the market perhaps. But, you know, higher house prices don't just affect people wanting to buy property. How else do they affect the economy? So, look, higher house prices might not be great if you're trying to get into the market, but from a personal sense of, you know, how well off we are, it actually has uh, quite a big effect. So, for example, if house prices keep going up, people tend to have a better sense that they feel wealthier. They might buy, say, you know, more white goods or a car or go on holiday than compared with, say, their house prices are tanking. So that wealth effect is something that the Reserve Bank is keenly aware of. And so when house prices rose in 2023, instead of falling, the RBA had to recalculate what they thought consumption was going to do just because they knew that this was actually going to mean, you know, there'd be more demand than might otherwise have been expected uh, given the level of interest rates. So the higher the house prices, perhaps uh, that will support retail spending. And that's an important part of the Australian economy. Mm. Well, Peter, between October and November last year, inflation came down around half a percent. Could we see this continue to fall this year? So we shouldn't put too much store in monthly figures. The key ones are the quarterly ones, and we won't get those for the December quarter until the 31st of January. But it's fair to say that the trend has been a friend really for more than a year now when it comes to inflation. The RBA, it's got its target range for inflation. Uh, it wants to see consumer prices you know, down to a sort of 2% to 3% annual uh, rate of increase. What we saw in September was they were running at about 5.4%. And uh, early kind of predictions for this uh, coming December quarter numbers, you know, we're looking at something about like 4.3 or thereabouts. So still on a downward track. The last time uh, the RBA was predicting, we'll see inflation continue to ease back so that it'd be around about 3.5% at the end of this year. And finally, get back to that 2 to 3% range by the end of 2025. You know, it's a sign that the RBA is prepared to be patient. One other piece of good news is that while we're seeing inflation continue to trend lower, uh, we're finally seeing uh, the point where wage increases actually are higher than inflation. That should happen sometime in the first half of uh, this year. And that's Another reason to think that that peak of pain that I mentioned earlier, you know, we might be on the downside of that uh, before too long. Next, the unknowns that could throw the Australian economy off course this year. Khan from Guardian Australia's Sport Desk here. We're on a mission to find out what is Australia's greatest sporting moment of all time. We've come up with a short list of 50 moments and need your help to vote for the most inspiring, most moving, most exciting sporting moment in Australia's history. So vote today. Head to theguardian.com and you'll see the poll on our homepage. 
So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So Peter, before the break, we were talking about all of the things that we know so far about the economic year ahead. What are some of the things that we don't know yet that we might need to worry about? So for example, I know a lot of homeowners particularly are probably going to be worried about when the next interest rate rise will be. I mean, we had more than 10 in the last couple of years and it's currently sitting at a 12-year high. Is the Reserve Bank ready to raise them again? At this stage, I think firstly, you know, very few people think the Reserve Bank is going to raise interest rates further. So that's that's a big positive. And in the last week, we've seen, for instance, the National Australia Bank finally joining the other three big rivals. Uh, and now, basically, they don't expect any more interest rate rises. The speculation is really turning now to how soon uh, we'll see cuts. Mm. And of course, many borrowers hope that they'll be very soon. At this stage, the first of banks to predict a cut is uh, Westpac. They're looking at like August. So it's still quite a way off. It's fair to say, mm. though, if interest rates do start to come down sooner, it'll be because of you know things like uh, a big jump in the unemployment rate, maybe some you know concerns about international events, which we can talk about in a minute. But uh, this will be because of unpleasant results uh, that aren't currently foreseen. And that isn't something we really want. Mm. Well, you mentioned there, Peter, that the Reserve Bank will be on the lookout for some potential international events that they might be concerned about. What are some of the international factors that could affect how the Australian economy performs this year? Well, I think China kicks off really among the biggest concerns. It's Australia's biggest trade partner you know, equivalent to really the next four trade, uh, you know, export markets combined. So really important to Australia. That economy continues to have trouble for Australia. You know, we ship a lot of commodities, particularly iron ore to China. If they start to stall, down come those commodity prices and that uh, flows through the Australian economy. On the flip side, one benefit of a slowing Chinese economy is actually goods prices really around the world will probably come down. And that's because China will have like surplus electric vehicles, appliances, you name it, because they're the world's factory, really. A lot more of those are going to find their way to Australia and elsewhere, pushing down prices uh, for those goods. That will help this disinflation, which um, is something which will help, you know, the Reserve Bank and others cut interest rates sooner. So that's one positive out of a, a slowing Chinese economy. So look, other concerns, uh, later in the year, a re-election of Donald Trump as US president uh, would likely signal a worsening of Chinese-US trade tensions, for instance. Depending on political ructions in the US and other unforecastable events, trade actually might be the least of our concerns by then. 
And of course, another thing we should watch out for is what happens in the Middle East. You know, we're seeing you know, every day talk about missile strikes on ships in the Red Sea and the like. And so the how the Israel-Gaza war plays out, whether there is a sort of wider conflict in the region, that's going to be something of concern, whether it's just for the human cost, which is already very high, but also the impact on economic issues such as shipping uh, and even oil prices. So that's something we'll be watching in 2024. So that's the rest of the world. What about closer to home? The Albanese government kicked off the year with a review into grocery prices and they keep hinting at cost of living relief for consumers in the upcoming May budget. What options do you think the government has here? Look, I think we're realistically talking about tinkering at this point. If there was anything easily uh, delivered, they would have done so by now. They've had a good year to sort of look at it. The government, for example, could extend the energy rebate. That's uh, about a billion and a half. Uh, so there's more money you could put in that. You've got rental assistance at a Commonwealth level. It's already at historic highs, but that could be topped up, say. Job seeker bulk billing funding, you've got those areas which potentially could be delivered without costing the budget too much and also uh, not stoking inflation. There's also been radical ideas from Chris Richardson and others that let's say you lowered the GST by one percentage point, so it's only 9% instead of 10. It sort of immediately knocks a, a percent off, you know, a cent of every dollar that you're spending. And you could compensate the states. You know, we mentioned the budget is likely to be in surplus. If you did that at one percentage point, that's about $8.8 billion. It's kind of a money merry-go-round, if you like. But, uh, you know, that's among the policies that the government could consider. So, Peter, the Albanese government has now committed to seeing through the Morrison government's stage three tax cuts this year. What do you make of that? Okay, so this has been in legislation for like five years. Uh, it's an election promise. And, you know, should they modify that, there'll be a big pile on in the media in particular about, uh, you know, a broken promise and the like. The key question is really whether the Albanese government was going to change them at all. Because as they stand, it's the third installment of tax cuts aimed for those that are earning $45,000 or more. Mm. But uh, the benefits really skewed to the higher end of that. So somebody earning more than $200,000 a year can expect about $9,000 in tax cuts. So from a broad perspective, it's a question really of equity because of that uh, benefit to really do go to the high end at a time when those on lower incomes are actually the ones, A, that need the money and B, will actually spend whatever tax cuts compared with Mm. perhaps a lot of the wealthier income earners who will pocket a lot of what's coming their way. Another case possibly overblown is that the stationary tax cuts are actually helping to address the bracket creep that's been uh, pushing households tax take to record levels. Bracket creep is basically because you've got inflation feeding through people are being paid more, they go into a higher tax bracket. So they end up sort of paying more tax and various uh, sort of tax subsidies have offsets and so on have actually fallen away in the past year or so. But again, the the main argument against that is like, we could do a lot better with $20 billion from an equity point of view. Personally, 
I don't see the government changing tack. It's just maybe they'll supplement it in some way, uh, but they'll just have to do it in a way that doesn't look like they're injecting a lot of extra cash into the economy because that's not what the RBA is currently uh, modeling and anything kind of extra spending might put off whatever rate cut um, timing that's currently in the works. So Peter, at the start of this conversation, you said that you thought the economy would probably improve in many ways this year. So you said that where we are now is as bad as it's going to get. Keeping all of the unknowns in mind, how confident are you about that prediction? So look, the Australian economy is starting 2024, probably in a better place than could have been expected a year ago. And because of that, there's some decent momentum, I suppose, going into this year. But if it turns out that not to be, you know, quite as uh, positive as it currently looks, the Reserve Bank can start cutting rates sooner. The Reserve Bank does have a bit of room now to cut rates to support the economy. And as we mentioned, the budget is in, you know, not hugely positive health, but it should have a second year of surplus. And that's better than pretty much most uh, comparable countries. The government could dip in and to support growth that way. So on those reasons, I think it's fair to say we could be in a worse position. We're starting with a degree of positivity. And if we can hold out for the next maybe three, six months, you know, we should be actually talking about an economy on the rebound towards the end of 2024. That was Peter Hannum, Guardian Australia's economics correspondent. You can find his recent reporting on theguardian.com. I also recommend you go and read his analysis on the government's decision to push ahead with those stage three tax cuts. It's called Labor Says It's Looking for Ways to Ease Cost of Living Pressures. Just don't mention the stage three tax cuts. I'll post a link to that on the full story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Karishma Luthria and Camilla Hannan, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producer of Full Story is Hannah Parks. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time. This year, build your credit history with the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card. No credit checks to apply. Get started at chime.com slash build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Chime checking account and a 200 qualifying direct deposit required to apply.